podcast. I'm in Max, 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 Pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon. Why, hello, and welcome to Season 24, Episode 14 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. Hi, I'm Pooja. And I'm Tappy. And uh, JackerCon is coming up. Mm-hmm. Soon. Oh, you know what? I'm going to go to JackerCon.com. <laughs> Ooh, nice plug. <laughs> and find out when the actual dates are. Uh, it begins June 23rd through July 1st. Go to jackercon.com. There are games being run, there are games being played, and there are players playing and signing up, and GMs signing up games. You should do that. If you haven't signed up for the Masks game on Friday the 28th, maybe? I don't know dates. <coughs> if there's still spots left, I'll be in that one. There you go. Excellent. Uh, and also, Or, th- you know, warning, I'll be in that <laughs> one. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to EasyRollerDice.com for sponsoring the last three episodes. We appreciate that very much. They're wonderful people, and uh, their Kickstarter is EasyRollerDice.com slash Giants with an S. And you can go and get the big dice. Go do that. Big old dice. In this episode... Do they roll easily, though? Yes, they do. <laughs> Virk, Virk. Bjork writes in about PvP. Bjork? Bjork? Oh my god, Bjork wrote in. Wow. Writes in about PvP at a con game. Byron writes in about math and RPGs. And Ryan writes in about character progression and player engagement. But first, if you'd like to email us, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. We're on the social medias. We're on. We have a forum. Have we, we mentioned our forum? We should mention our forum. Happyjacksforum.com. You can go there and you can get in a flame war. And they're wonderful. Flame wars are great. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you can have a nice discussion and get advice about your games or talk about your favorite, like, TTRPG memes. That's mm-hmm. my favorite thread. Yes. <laughs> or get in a flame war. ¿Por qué no los dos? We're also on all of the social meteors. Well, four of them. We're on uh, Twitter, Happy Jacks RPG, all one word. We're also on Instagram, Happy Jacks RPG, all one word. And we're on Facebook, Happy Jacks RPG, all one word. And MeWe, Happy Jacks RPG, all one word. I haven't I posted believe, in three weeks. I don't believe MeWe exists. <laughs> it does. It's it pronounced MeWe. 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 I like MeWe because I call the people who, who follow us on MeWe the MeWeans. <laughs> But for like, me, and we, moving we, and moving right <laughs> along. <laughs> that sounds kind of like you're calling them Lilliputians, but without so many words or letters. Well, like a wean. Yeah, right. Yeah, the wee barons, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I was just listening to something in that Scottish accent, and I was like, "Please stop." <laughs> no. uh, oh, what was it? We were talking last night about uh, the 1950-something uh, film of Burgundoon. And the horrendous Scottish accents in it. <laughs> <laughs> and that reminded me of something, because I just finished watching Riverdale, uh-huh. the third season. And uh, my daughter had binged it and finished it four or five days before I did. And uh, I was watching it, and she came out and she said, oh, I love this song. And it was the Tina Turner, We Don't Need Another Hero, from Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah. And I'm, I, I told her, I said, yeah, there's a whole series of movies about this. I said, I saw it. I'm like, no, not, not the long chase scene. <laughs> I'm talking about the, the earlier films. And I said, the funny thing is, the very first movie, Mad Max, um, when they used to show it on TV here, they dubbed it because they didn't think people in America would understand <laughs> Australian accents. 
Because <laughs> oh, they're so like, very difficult. To right. <laughs> just like they dubbed Arnold Schwarzenegger when he was like... A Hercules, Hercules in New York. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and it's wretched. It's oh, amazing. Because yeah. he talks insane. like this. <laughs> that's insane. That's what... That's, and... and uh, yeah, that was before they discovered lip flap. Right. And Mad, <laughs> and Mad Max had a voice like this. Yeah, it was awesome. It was fantastic. Uh, if you want to watch the show live, go to happyjacks.org slash live on Friday nights at 7 p.m. at specific time, and you can watch the show live and join us in the chat room, and I'll open up the chat room right now just to make sure there's people there. <laughs> or, or to, you know, or not. Crush, crush what little is left of our egos when we find out no one is there. You know, I watched uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet. It's good. I liked it. I really liked it. It was yeah. a sweet movie. It mm-hmm. really was. Uh, I've never seen it. Have you seen Wreck-It Ralph? Nope. I'm behind on my children's I movies. Have... I'll be. I'll be honest. Like without, like, a youthful influence in my life to like, I tend to gravitate towards all the anime. Mm. Oh, okay. So I started to try to watch. So, so like a teenage influence really is is what your life is just normally. I mean, you know, around the time when I discovered anime, back when sci-fi was spelled really differently and Cartoon Network had an uh, anime section, uh, X redacted number of years ago, mm-hmm. it's kind of been that way ever since. It never stopped. My uh, stepson's been showing me JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and that's mm. an exciting one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to talk too much about it because we've already drifted. Okay, <laughs> we've drifted so far. We should probably actually get to the letters. All right. Um, Convention PPP from Virk. Do you want to read this one? Since you don't want to read the last one, I'll, I'll take the bullet and read the last one. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Convention game PPP <coughs> from Virk. 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 Bjork. <laughs> um, hello, Lord Stu, Lady Kimmy, and the rest of the Jacker Court. I'll give you. Kimmy us off on her own adventure today. Um, <laughs> at this year's Game X, I was able to play in a PBTA game called The Sword, The Crown, and The Unspeakable Power. Or maybe it really was The Unpeakable Power, but I think you <laughs> meant Unspeakable. So I'm just going to go with that. <laughs> no, it just keeps going. It never peaks. <laughs> the tagline that was given to me after I had already sat down to play was, It's like Game of Thrones, the RPG. This game is about seeking power for yourself and backstabbing. I freaked out. PvP is the last thing I want in my RPGs, and even more so at a con table with strangers. I glanced around the table and saw Jason Mills and Heavy Metal Jess from Happy Jacks, and Gene was our GM. Well, if I was ever going to try this, I guess this is the best time for it. I stayed. Excellent. Good job. Mm -hmm. This is not hyperbole. This game might have been the most fun I have ever had in an RPG. All the players were 100% in. Everybody knew it was a game. No one took the backstabbing personally. There were so many details at the table, it was like a risk game. Well, if risk was actually fun. I feel you there. I feel you. I don't know. I think I've only played Risk like once. I played Risk like way back in the day when it was like there weren't any like cannons or anything different. It was like just one thing where it was like it was kind of shaped like a triangle sort of. And then you had another thing that was five people and then you just kind of moved them around. It was was really slow. Like I always felt like Risk was the abject lesson in Never Start a Land War in Asia. Also because there goes the rest of your life like into this game as you die from boredom. But <laughs> after the game, I, I really sat down and tried to figure out why that game worked. 
I know the game was blessed with great players like Jason and Heavy Metal Jess. Yes, we all love them. They're great. Mm-hmm. But it was that all that it really could be? That it, oh, but was that all it could really be? Heck, one of the players got screwed early, and we basically all turned on him for the rest of the game. But it was so fun. Was it fun for him, though? I, that was a yeah. question. When I was reading that, I was a little worried about that, too. It was still really fun. I guess my question is, is it just players that can make adversarial RPGs fun? Have you all ever had games where PvP turned out fun and not something you needed therapy for later? <laughs> Thanks again for everything Happy Jack's done. Bjork from the forums. Thanks, Bjork. Thanks, Bjork. We love you. <laughs> um, for me personally, I guess, uh, the... I talk about this a lot when I'm on this podcast, mm-hmm. but whatever. I'm going to get back up on the soapbox and say it's it's not necessarily... Yes, you had great players in your games, um, but it's about player buy-in. If people know going in, like everybody who sat down at that table knew, or in your case, after you sat down at the table, knew that it was going to be a game about backstabbing. It was going to be a game about this kind of infighting. So people went in with that assumption, and it wasn't a surprise to anyone. So you all bought into that premise. And, and I feel like at, the, at, at its core, to have like an interesting adversarial game that remains fun for people, they have to be okay with that. And they have to have bought in from the beginning. If that's something that like is sprung on somebody, then there's a sense of betrayal as a player that can happen. I've had that happen to me in past games, actually, where, like, you know, you're playing Pathfinder and suddenly, like, one of your party decides to go all in for themselves and, like, screw over everyone else. Or you get targeted by your party. And that's not, that's not fun. That, like, is the quickest way for me to eject. <laughs> but, um, but, like, the, <coughs> but the buy-in is, I think, like, the most important thing. Though I really would wonder, like... Is the guy who did the guy who got turned on super early yeah, uh, really know. have fun? Did he have as much fun as you did, or he she, might. or she? Did he or she? I I think I, I think would like to see that the, person's the thing letter. Like that who who got turned on really early could be taken in a very different way. <laughs> well, I mean, it is Game of Thrones, so it could be both. Uh, yeah. could. Why not both? Yeah, why not both? Um, but uh, also, like, I mean. For those of you who watched who watched our first um, kind of like half of the Traveler playthrough, Kimmy and I actually had a pretty adversarial relationship yeah. throughout a large, like our first few sessions. But that was something that we had talked about and agreed on really early on, like that this was like our characters were so, they were naturally going to like butt heads and have this like contention. And that was something that we talked about as players to like, yes, let's play into this. And like, Kimmy and I are really good friends, and we talk all the time. And like, so we knew going into it that this is all, this is all play, this is all like our PCs, not us. So we had a lot of fun. <laughs> I would like to echo your buy-in uh, point because I think that's a really good point. Uh, one of the things about uh, L5R that we talk about a lot is that it's super deadly. But I mean, John Wick makes a good game, and one of the things that he he put in there, along with yes. If you decide to get into combat, it's very likely you will get killed. So understand that from the beginning, but also there's a mechanic that if you die, there's a way of tallying up points to make your next character. You get extra points, and your next character actually comes back better than the one that you originally had. 
So there's a mechanical thing of like, it's okay if your character dies, along with this idea of, please understand, if you choose to get into combat, it is very, very likely you may die, then, I mean, I game group played metric fuck ton of that game. And we had characters die all the time. Um, and we would write, like, death haikus and, like, read them out if, like, somebody died. Like, if we ever went into, like, a battle, we'd all write haikus about, like, our character and what they'd gone through, etc. Love that. Um, That's great. Yeah. And then, like, we'd read them and go outside and burn them. It was, it was awesome. Um, but that's because we bought into that idea that our characters were going to die. Otherwise, people would be like, this is bullshit. You know? Yeah. My character died and didn't even get to do anything. Or I'm halfway through the arc I wanted to do and my character died. Um, like in Pathfinder, you wouldn't expect like dudes to come out with sticks <coughs> and beat you to death. Yeah, like you, you wouldn't really expect that, but that totally happened in one of our games where like a bunch of guys with humbo, which are like these five foot sticks, like came out and just beat the ever living fuck out of us, um, and we almost had a complete TPK um, oh. because we just—it's how the dice go, um, and it's how the game goes. Like if you get hit, you're gonna have a bad day. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you have buy-in for a concept, it's going to go well. Um, I have not had a game where I specifically want to do PvP that I've run because I like characters like doing awesome shit together, not against each other. That being said, um, the last uh, Apocalypse World game I had ended with uh, their... Uh, two characters, a couple, that one of them was not used to role playing, was and made some really like odd choices that kind of like drifted her off from the group. Um, and so her wife, uh, her character, kind of like went with her, and they had like their own kind of thing, and the rest of the group had their own kind of thing, and it came to a head, and people died, and that game kind of had to stop at that point. So, and it. We tried bringing it back, and it, it just didn't work. So it was like a super good, amazing, incredible game until there was PvP, and then it just all kind of fell apart. Mm. So like, I I think that that by and my players are incredible players, like <coughs> super crazy, unbelievable, amazing players. So like, I think I think you're right. I totally think that it's even with really really great players. Um, Really great players will make decisions that their character should make, um, because that's what they made the character for, and are playing like in that character's realm and as that character. Um, but when you get to PvP, and and things start getting heated because you are really like invested in your character, things go badly real fast. Um, so yeah, I think I think that that is the the buying is way more important than just having yeah. good players. Oh no, what, what and it's not just like it's not just how attached you are to your character, but how how attached you are to the to the party. Mm-hmm. Because if you feel like there's a certain trust or camaraderie, or like you're really into like the party as a group, and you feel like there's a level of like bonds there, and that gets betrayed, that can lead to blowback onto like a personal level of. Betrayal feelings. <laughs> the the thing that the game that screams out to me is Vampire the Masquerade, mm-hmm. which in and of itself is in many ways kind of a PvP game. Yeah, everybody yeah. definitely has their own. Because I mean, you're talking about solitary predators who are getting together to survive, right? Right. That's why they otherwise they wouldn't have anything to do with each other. Mm-hmm. 
and, and, and they, they're thrust into a situation, but they're all solitary predators. Mm. And they all act like solitary predators. And they, there's pecking orders, and there's positions of importance, and e- even in... I mean, our, our vampire game here was that Modicin was fairly cooperative, mm-hmm. but there was some backstabbing happen, happening mm-hmm. between between characters. But, I, but there again, you're playing vampire, and I guess you... If you're playing vampire, you're buying into the fact that there might be people who have cross purposes. I mean, I think a vampire game works really well with no plot whatsoever, and just have everybody have their own things, and they all fuck with each other, and the NPCs have their own personal right. agendas. But there's no like overarching plot. You're not like trying to do a thing. There's no like big bad. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and let and give the players agency, mm-hmm. and let them, let them do their thing. Um, now, I would totally agree. I, I in the the, the apocryphal not apocryphal but in the the much talked about at least by me uh, GURPS game I ran through college we had players who uh, very very much played their characters and 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 stuck with the disads that their characters had mm-hmm. and there was a, a point and I've told the story numerous times but I'll bring it up again because I think it's relevant now two of the players came to me before the session and said player X's character our characters have decided that his character is dangerous and we're in a situation right now where A. we don't trust him B. we're afraid that he's going to kill us and because he's a f- reasonably powerful mage he might be able to get away with it so we're, we're going to assassinate him when he's unaware and they did in the, in the course of the game no one got pissed that I recall. I mean, I, I guess I'd have to talk to Stevie and see if he actually was pissed off or not, but he didn't seem like he was pissed off. Stevie, just, if you're listening, I want to read that letter, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but he, he made another character and came back, and, you know, the game went on. Now, there was another a, another thing that had happened earlier um, with a different player who... Um, they're just two characters that they just didn't mesh, and they were, like, constantly at odds with each other. The players themselves never were, but the two characters, because everyone really played to their disads, they were just constantly at odds with each other. And they ended up getting in a fight. Mm-hmm. And he, w- one of the players, Bill, decapitated the other character, thus killing him. Mm. So he had to make him I, would, I would hope yeah. so, I guess, yes. at that point. <laughs> yes. It's the universal cure for life. Yeah, GURPS is pretty clear <laughs> about what happens to your character when it's decapitated. Yeah. So he, but he ended up making his character's brother. <laughs> <laughs> that stereotypical <laughs> thing. I, I was actually thinking about that when you were talking about your your L five R and bringing another character back. I was like, we could you could go so soap opera with this, mm-hmm. and it's like the lost twin brother or sister comes back, and like, oh, but it's me, but with a completely different face, and like. You know, all the great things, like all the great tropiness about soap operas without having to sit through hundreds of hours of them. Um. (laughs) Yeah, I would totally go with that trope, actually, in L5R, just because, uh, sure, I mean, go for it. And then the person who killed your brother, you now have a thing for and oh sure yes yes oh my god because it's l5r it's not like it's gonna last forever you're just you're gonna fight and somebody's gonna die again right or (laughs) or you bring in and it's like the backstory is like oh it's it's one of the other players like ex-lovers and then it turns out that ex-lover was that like the deceased characters like 
twin but with a facial reconstruction surgery. That you're going full guiding light. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. But oh, another thing I wanted to. But I want to be in all the games. Like, let's be real. Um, another thing that that this made me think of was Munchkin. Which mm-hmm. is not a TTRPG, but it is like a, it's a card game for those of you who haven't played. And straight up, you go in a dungeon. There's going to be backstabbing. It's on the box. <laughs> and it's it, it's a game that's a parody of many of the worst D and D games. Yeah, <laughs> and like everything else at this point, it's yes. got like thirty versions. Yeah. But uh, some a group of friends of mine uh, and I used to play Munchkin regularly, like pretty much weekly. And wow, they're out of out of the hundreds of Munchkin games we played, and we used to like mix and match the expansions oh, yeah. and different flavors. Um, don't match Cthulhu and Zombie and Bites; you'll all just die. <laughs> <laughs> it's a mean game. It's a mean game when you go full. When you go full, <laughs> I w- full I w- in. But but <laughs> like out of those hundreds of games, like I can remember somebody getting really hot and like actually angry, maybe two or three times. So, yeah, like, it's as long as you know what's on the tin. Yeah. I mean, this also reminds me of Diplomacy. I don't know. Have you ever played Diplomacy? Mm -hmm. Diplomacy is basically World War I. Sounds boring. There's, you play one of seven great powers. There's no dice. It's all, it's all numbers. If you have two armies and you're going against someone who has one, the people with two armies wins. That's the basic game mechanics of the game. There's no randomizer at all. No one has the ability to win the game on their own. You have to build alliances. And at some point, you're going to backstab your allies. That's kind of the, the conceit of the game. And it's seven players, and friendships have ended playing that game. Because you'll go to some dude, I'm going to be your ally. I swear, you and I are going to have a joint victory in 1918 spring. We'll have won. It's going to be fantastic. And then six months before that, next thing you know, my armies are marching in and... Mm-hmm. What did you do, you motherfucker? You know, that, that sort of thing. But we used to play that... See, that doesn't sound fun. That, to me, that sounds personal. Well, you see, I, I like, th- th- that's kind of getting, between... getting to my point. That's getting to my point. Okay. I don't necessarily... I mean, y- yes, it's buy-in, but I think there are some people who could buy into a PvP situation and mean it and there's other people who will buy into it because they don't want to be left out of the game that everyone else is playing and really don't mean it because we've had people because we let we always let everyone know up front this is what diplomacy is like we used to play it a lot if you don't and it it, hours long game I mean you can play this game for six or eight hours at a time because there's 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 diplomacy rounds in each turn yeah. So you go and separate with the map of the board, and you talk to people. Well, if you do this, I'll do that for you, and then you know, it's just things like that. And you're yeah. talking. There's seven people, so you're having a lot of different conversations with people. And but there are some people who are like, yeah, sure, I'll play it. Who got super pissed off when they got backstabbed? Because almost everyone gets backstabbed in that game at some point or another, except the guy who wins. Unless the guy who wins knows he's going to get backstabbed, and then he's like, okay, well, I'm going to get, I'm going to prepare for this now because I think it's going to happen, which happens, but. Generally speaking, everyone's going to get screwed at some point if they play enough enough games of diplomacy. And I, I, I've been in games where people got super pissed off about it, even though they knew going up, going in that this is what the game is. I guess, like my, there is a level of remove 
when you're talking about a like a TTRPG setting mm-hmm. versus when you're talking about something like diplomacy where you're trading on real relationships with people. Like, come on, buddy, you're you're yes, my you best are. friend. I'm not going to backstab you. Like, you know He's me. like, you're going to backstab me. Bill and I used to say the exact same thing to each other, and we were both lying. But with that thing, it's like, it's like, this is, this, this trades in on some, uh, I guess some personal issues that I have, but whatever. I need to know that I can, like, trust my friend's words. Right. When we're talking about my friends. When we're talking about my friend's characters in an RPG... I don't need to be able to trust their words in terms of like a like continuing ongoing personal relationship with the with the player. Now, what if everyone playing diplomacy dressed up as the monarch of that country? They would have to actually role play as the monarch. Of that, country. <laughs> that would be amazing. I would play that game one hundred percent, and that I would do. I want to be Queen Elizabeth, Victoria, or Victoria. Uh, I was about Victoria. to say, okay. <laughs> we are not amused. <laughs> You're gonna have to fight me for Queen Victoria. Oh God damn it! <laughs> I would watch that fight. I don't. I don't. I bring popcorn be, for that. <laughs> you can be Kaiser Wilhelm. I don't want to be Wilhelm. Or a pickle halba with a little spike. <laughs> I don't want to wear. A no one. Halba. No one wants to wear. <laughs> no, no I do not want I've to be photographed to, or on, on any sort of. I've been trying to. Halba. I've been trying to find one. They're, I think you volunteered they've, to be. They've been destroyed. I could, no, I could. Well, I can only find small, like ornamental ones. <gasps> oh my god, it's even better! Oh my god, <laughs> just like glue it on you. You do. You do a tiny hat version. <laughs> a little tiny bowler. <laughs> Where everyone role plays as the monarch, and they have tiny hats. <laughs> <laughs> a little tiny crown for Queen Victoria. Yes. yes. The little, the little boxy hat for the French. Uh, I, I can't remember. Who, is it De Gaulle? Was it De Gaulle? Who knows that? I don't remember. But get a little, you know, that'd be awesome. A little tiny beret for the no a beret for the French guy, and then uh, uh, what would the it, Italian guy have? I feel like the berets isn't that a little modern for? It might World be. World it might be. Yeah. It might be. Um, uh, either way, either way. Yeah, <laughs> Besides the fact that that I want <coughs> this, I want this so badly. Right now. <laughs> um, so much, I want it so bad. <laughs> <laughs> you can't play though because they're gonna lie I'm to you. I'm not going to. <laughs> but like, but that's the. You can I, would, I wouldn't play that. But like, but that's the thing. It's like I know myself and going in. Right. So like, can I buy into this? No. So that's a matter of like you as a player knowing. Right. And you took a and Virk to to bring it back. Um, <laughs> Virk took a chance on this PBTA game at uh, at GameX and. And he was rewarded for that, and he was rewarded for his buy-in. Uh, so thank you for for taking a chance on yeah. on some happy jackers and uh, and a crazy game. And I'm glad that you had a really good time. Excellent. Do I, do I know? I don't. Do I know this guy? I don't, I'm not even sure. I know. I don't. I, I I meet people at game conventions. I'm assuming he's local if he was at the game con. But I don't know. Ah. I, I think I do. I don't know my own name, so. Okay. <laughs> Uh, case of the overly analytical analyst from Byron. This, sound, this sounds like oh. one for me. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Happy Jacks. It is that gaming adjacent guy who still won't get a divorce to play more games. I'm telling you, get your priorities straight. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when Stu gets murdered by by this guy's wife or or husband, sorry, I don't know. Um, I'm not going to be surprised. Or say it, marry a gamer. I feel like he. He's already married, is the point. Well, I mean, then marry another. I don't know. 
Two marriages is the new one. <laughs> Two marriages. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in an exciting turn of events, which we... I'm kidding, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Uh, <laughs> actually managed to play and help co-GM a game. Excellent. I'll stay from a strategic point of view. Having one guy build all the pre-constructed characters and one run the actual adventure worked out well. With me being able to coach the others in cool things their characters could do and freeing him up to run through the module. While not my favorite new game ever, ever, Pathfinder 2nd Edition felt solid, but I do definitely recommend a character builder of some sort. Wow, 2nd Edition. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah that just that came out it recently. Just, yeah, it's yeah. like real new. Nice. Uh, Ten times as many feats as the old version. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but still, the, the ones that were good are still good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the rest are just kind of... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, that being said, I know I am unique and loving to read both settings and dig through the rules that make them tick. Right? You, you, you know that? Uh, okay. You're new, unique if unique means two people. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I brought this email in when you were here. Yes. In my tabletop wargaming days, I started using tools like AnyDice.com and uh, the Troll Dice Roller. Oh, I know the Troll Dice Roller. Right. Uh, to use statistical analysis on projected outcomes. Do I, have I mentioned I had fun doing a drunken four-year transformation? Drink. Oh, fuck yeah. What does that mean? It's a statistics thing. It's a one? It's a map. It's a map. Oh, okay. It's okay. mapping. It's mapping. Um, one of the things that I personally love to do is, is make spreadsheets. Spreadsheets. <laughs> <laughs> and then. Cappy, there's a line, and the line was your poop play. And you, you've crossed that line again. So, so the spreadsheets, you can. I you think can most actually, people would agree with the other. Uh, yeah, right? Uh, you can actually, like, uh, do randomizers in them, and so just. Oh, yeah, you showed me one of those. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like 10,000 different, like, randomizations of your um, your dice mechanic, and just kind of, like, see how it plays out, and then you can keep, like, randomizing it, and you kind of see where the trends go. And that's a lot of fun when, like, you look at something and go, I don't want to figure out an uh, equation for this. I would rather just. Uh, do something else and like wait ten minutes before this refreshes because there's ten thousand permutations of like ten different dice. Right. Uh, oh. But uh, okay. but yeah, no, that's totally fun. Um, I uh, yeah, I just did that with uh, a thing that I'm working on for a PBTA game. I oh, the one we, we were talking yeah. about, right? Um, um, I guess my question is, how much does math play into your enjoyment of games? Uh, some of them are really easy, looking at you percentiles, and some of them get more muddy, looking at you L5R and ORE. I often find the how and why systems work the way they do, just as cool as the world they're in. Does this come into play as you design and look at games you want to play, or is it more, hey, look, Star Trek, I like Star Trek? Uh, does the experience you had with the Star Trek game make you want to play other 2D20 games? Keep on keeping on. Byron, in the forum. To the Grizz. P.S. Drink. Hmm. Uh, for th- those of us who don't know what ORE stands for, uh, one, one roll engine. Wild talents. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Wild talents. Wild <laughs> talents. Be excellent to each other. <laughs> um. I mean, the answer is like, for me, um, like playing with the numbers and figuring that things out. That is something I enjoy outside of a game. Like, in the game, the math needs to get out of the way. Like, the math is going to help determine how you play. Like, 
if you're playing a percentage dial dice system and you have like a 40% chance of hit on like a D100, that's going to suck. Like you're not going to want to do that a lot. Um, that's one of the reasons why, except also the fact that you're fighting Elder Gods, but like Call of Cthulhu, having a gun is like the most useless piece of equipment you can have. It's actually a dangerous piece of equipment. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Flare gun is even worse. I, I learned that a yes. couple times. No, it, gives, no. it gives you a false sense of security. Yeah. And that's. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, really, thing. just like Call of Cthulhu, any fight is a bad fight. Right. Yep. Like, you know, it's the L5R um, thing. It's like, any fight's going to be bad. But even with, uh, like he said, like really easy looking at you percentiles, it's actually, I think percentiles are actually much harder to play because you, it, like your, your roles are much less uh, reliable. Yes. Um, like in the 40K system, the old 40K system was uh, percentile based. Mm-hmm. And so you're a fucking space marine in giant armor. You're eight feet goddamn tall outside of the armor. You got this thing and you're just missing all the goddamn time. Right. Just fuck constantly missing. Um, because it's a percentile system. Um, as opposed to things like one roll engine, you're rolling a lot of dice and and putting together, like, getting successes, etc. Or with L5R, it's rolling or, keep. Or putting pairs in Or putting pairs, yeah. Right. Um, and L5R, you, you've got roll and keep. Uh, so those are actually a little more reliable than, uh, like, uh, uh, percentage system. Right. They're a lot easier. Or like a PBTA versus... Pathfinder or D and D, where like the sp- your spread is just right. Like it's it's a it's a more forgiving thing. Mm-hmm. Like rolling two d six versus rolling d right. twenty. Um, <coughs> and like even though the the system for a um, uh, apocalypse world is very simple, because it's set up in like these ways where in some instances it's very specific in some instances it's very vague and you have these partial successes that give like your uh, master of ceremonies like like hints and ideas of what they can do to you because of it it, it becomes a very fluid and very interesting system even though it, it's just 2d6 roll a 7 or better for a hit um, so like you really kind of have to look at how the system works within the context of the game um, like we're saying with L5R, it's super fucking deadly. Like if you get hit with a katana, or somebody swings at you with a katana, there's about a forty percent chance you're going to die. Right. Like if you're a starting character, um, and so like that really, really changes like how you think about things. But like that same thing can happen in other games. Like in the PBTA kind of version of it, it's uh, it's same thing. Like there's I'm setting it up. So that there's a 40% chance that if you get swung at, you're going to die um, for a, a hack I'm doing for L5R and PBTA. And so, like, that, that's what's interesting about the math, I think, of, like, trying to set yourself up for success for that kind of mouthfeel for the players to experience. Mm-hmm. But if the players are thinking about math in the game and they're not thinking about how their character <coughs> do things... I think that that's a problem. See, that's why I, I tend to gravitate towards L5R and dice pool games. Mm-hmm. Because with my limited mathing ability, I can't figure out what my probability is. Mm-hmm. Especially in roll and keep. Because you know what roll and keep is? Nope. You'll take a number of d10s, and it, let's say it's uh, roll six, keep three. So you'll roll six dice and you keep the three highest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you figure out the probability for uh, you brute force a on a uh, spreadsheet, right? <laughs> or you yeah, find there's actually an L5R <coughs> probability calculator you can look at too. But well, but also like 
Because I don't want to know what the percentages are. Yeah, I mean, how much do the percentages really, like, especially in, in a, a setup like that? Right. Rule 6, keep 3. It's like, okay, well, that is what it's going to be. <coughs> right. Well, but and, it, like, I don't know, I guess my answer to this question is, like, the math does... If the math is too complicated, I will not play the game. Would be how that translates for me. But... I don't think about the math while I'm playing at all. See, see, to me, if if it takes if it's super complicated to figure out what the probability is of a dice roll, to me that's an advantage because I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. If it's roll three d six and you're rolling low, you I, know. That. I used to know yeah. the bell curve for three d six because that's what GURPS yeah. uses. Like every number, I used to know what the percentage was. It's like mm-hmm. half a percent for for a three and whatever, but. Wow. Yeah. Well, because I played that. I played that game for like twelve years. Even I, so, like yeah. I played, I played Pathfinder for six. I played a Pathfinder, a couple of Pathfinder campaigns for like a full six years. And I never learned any of the technical well, math. Well, it, with a D twenty, every number is five percent. But then you have like things that you like modifiers and all of that kind of stuff and like yeah no I never right. I never learned any of that but I never even thought about maybe learning any of that. Well, I I learned it because when I was making bad guys, I wanted to say okay, well, I want this guy to be able to hit seventy percent of the time. Mm-hmm. So and I give him a fifteen or a sixteen in skill level, and I know that that that's about how often he would hit. But the the nice thing about dice pool games, I have no idea. If I it's like okay, you're gonna roll. You're playing vampire, and you need to get a eight, nine, or ten successes, and you're rolling eight dice. I don't know what your chances are. If you get them, you get them. If you don't, you don't. Great. Like, like what is better for your dice pool to get an extra die or roll nine again as opposed to ten again? I have no idea. <laughs> you know, I do. Which is what is it? Uh, the the plus one die is better. It is okay. Uh, generally speaking, because your dice pool it, it fluctuates depending on how size how big your dice pool. If you're rolling twenty dice, then a nine again can be significantly better. But if you're typically rolling on like four or five dice, see. But if I were to ask you off the top of your head, what's better, four keep four, or ten keep three? Uh, ten keep three is better. Ten keep two. Ten four keep four is better. Wow. <laughs> That, those kidding. are my guesses. I might be wrong, but those are my guesses. Okay. Because but you said it with such authority that it doesn't matter if it's a guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's basically you're, you're, you're banking on the idea of how many tens you're going to get because mm-hmm. they explode. Right. Um, so, like, if you get a ten, you roll it again. So, if you have ten dice and you roll one ten and it goes again, then, then you're awesome. That's one of the reasons why it's so easy to die because if you roll, like, six keep two to, like, kill somebody, and one of them rolls up as a 10, then you're just, you're wrecking them. Right. They're going to be done. Um, so, but in for the most part, uh, an extra kept <coughs> die is way better than an extra rolled die. No. So it's just a discrepancy between 4, four keep 4 and 10 keep 3. Now, getting to his question at the end, I like Star, Star Wars. I'm not, like, a huge, like, fanboy, but I enjoy it. I like the universe. I think it's kind of cool. He, he's talking about Star Trek, but he's talking yeah. about. But I'm talking about. Do you do you gravitate cr- towards the game because of the subject matter or because of the system? Um, I got all of the books for Fantasy Flight Games, Star Wars, because I came up with an idea that really excited me to run a game. Sort of after after <laughs> session after uh, episode six, mm-hmm. I f- I figured before the the sequel started coming out. Or I think the first one had come out, or it was about to come out. Um, there's going to be a, several decades when the sort of like 
chief administrators of the empire are going to deny that the emperor has been killed. Mm. And they'll just create holograms of him and whatever they need to do to be able to just keep the empire going. So I set the game during the decline when word is finally starting to spread that the emperor is dead and all of the moths and grand moths are starting to create their own fiefdoms. That's kind of what I was going for. But the game itself, I, the system was so cumbersome, I did not have fun running it. If I'd run it in something else, I probably would have enjoyed the game, running the game, but I don't like. I didn't like the system. Uh, I I find that Fantasy Flight uh, makes good board games, uh, but how they kind of try and translate that experience in the role playing game like world, it really doesn't work. Like the system is so cumbersome. How they actually put out like new materials is super cumbersome because you have to like flip between like five different books to like make a fucking character. Oh, yeah, um, yeah it's terrible. But and then how you're actually like uh, when it's up to the GM, like how like there's so much work to putting in what other extra dice there is for the dice pool because you roll both positive and negative dice at the same time, and they don't have and numbers on them. They, they don't have, have numbers on them. Yeah, and then you're reading chicken entrails. Yeah, okay. <laughs> then well, you. I might, mean, I can get behind that. Part. <laughs> you might have to come up with like eight different things that right. of like maybe like eight different like complications that are not bad, but like are kind of worrisome for when they were like saying yeah, see, hi to like, somebody. I would just throw my hands I mean, up and be like, <laughs> nope. and I'm done. Or you might fail, but some really great thing happens. Or right. you might succeed, but some horrible thing happens. Then what's the point of even rolling at all? Right, because if, if it's that, it's if it's that randomized, just like you're just hitting a button, or you're just flipping through the choose your own adventure book like at random and picking out an ending. You basically have like there's like it's it's it, there's like two dimensions in the dice rolls because there's success and failure, and then you add and subtract those to figure out whether you've succeeded or failed. But then there's other symbols that show up for I can't forget what it's they like call them a despair oh, and yeah. a. a and uh, Not bullshit. I don't know. A, a goody thing. A big win. We'll call it a big win. <laughs> well, it's not a big a win. Triumph. Like a, a triumph. Yeah. Triumph and a despair. Mm-hmm. And those things are separate from whether the character succeeds or fails mm-hmm. at what they oh, did. And, but then there are the more minor ones, too. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's... But that sounds outside of, like... I mean, this system just sounds... This sounds outside of the math. You oh, can yeah. math it, but I wouldn't suggest it. No, I, but, like... I, but outside of the math question... Yes, we are drawn to games. I think we all are. Yeah. Well, I can speak for all three of us that we are drawn to games <clears throat> for subject matter or setting, in addition to or yes. in spite of the system itself. And, and I didn't realize what the game would play like until I actually played it. Yeah, when that happens, I mean, like, Lord knows, like, when I was a teenager, I read that Ma- Vampire Masquerade book like more times than I'm going to admit to to the internet. <laughs> <laughs> and but like. Actually, watching an AP of it, I still have never played it. <laughs> I did not have role playing friends when I was in high school. It's a, it's a, Vampire the Masquerade's a fun game, but it's a completely different experience playing something versus reading it. Oh sure, oh yeah, absolutely. And so, like, I can totally get behind your like reading the materials, reading the like that love, but like, I'm never gonna math it. <laughs> um, but like, I worry, I'll do it for you. There we go. Maybe your co-GM idea is really the best thing about this. Um, One of the things that I personally like about mapping a system is that I can then tweak it for how I want it to play. 
Um, one of the things that I did in Traveler um, is, you know how, like, when you take damage, it's, like, uh, uh, I think it's your endurance, and then you take down, like, other ones, like, one at a time? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like I, a... You're you're taking points out of your stats when you right. take when you take damage. Um, and and so it's significant because your stats are are very significant to your die rolls. Also, your stats are not that high. Right. Um, so I did all of them at once. So if you take six damage, they all go down six. And if one goes to zero, you pass out. If they all go down zero, you die. So, but basically, then if you oh my god, basically why? if you get into a firefight, you'll die. It's dangerous. Is what I wanted. I want people to get into because, like, the 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 idea that I had is these are like uh, more like tramp freighter people. You're oh, not okay. like superheroes going to put on like, yeah, I'm going to fight like twelve guards and fuck yes, like no 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 no. <laughs> like uh, my player uh, Jessica got hit in the head with a spanner in the first game and almost died. Yeah, because that would happen. Like, if you get hit in the head with like a chunk of metal. Well, that, even that in, like and spoilers for our traveler game, but like we got in a fight with one lurker. <laughs> and whoops. And Stork, like, <laughs> almost bled out on the game floor. Oh, yeah. like, Stork? No. I know, right? Did he roll bad? <laughs> yes, but also, like, it was a it was a giant mutated creature, and, like, right. it was an apex predator, and we are not. So, But, I mean, it's, it's completely conceivable in a Traveler game that, like, any fight you get into, especially because of the randomness of... Traveler character creation because mm-hmm. you're generally not going to be making this is not like a like a D and D or a Pathfinder system where you can min max and you really <laughs> massage everything or whatever. There is a lot of like mathing that yeah. can you. can <laughs> go into your character creation, but there's so much randomness in it that like generally you end up with a character that will probably have some really great positives, but you can just roll it like. Super mediocre character. You, you don't get the character you want. You get the character you deserve. That, why? Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I love my character. No, I mean, no. I had one of my players. Uh, she wanted to make like uh, a, a diplomat, like a, an elegant, beautiful diplomat, and she ended up with a mechanic. She's <laughs> like, God, why did I? I don't want to be me. <laughs> Can I? Just- I mean, that just sounds a little too real. Too real. But like. You know, even if you roll, and the and the great part is, like, even if you think you're rolling super well in Traveler character creation, like, bad shit happens, and you end up with a lot of baggage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, in Traveler, just going into the game. And so, I find it really interesting because it's a very balanced thing that way. Mm-hmm. And, and yes, like, our <clears throat> characters are not going out looking for fights. We want to avoid fights. We're not good at fights. Or even if we could be okay at fights, it's still not really a good idea. Like none of us, none of us have good healing skills. Well, that's that's what I got right. after after uh, Jessica was almost killed with a spanner. Like people started running from fights, and that's what I wanted. I wanted like no, 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 no. Or they didn't get into fights; they got into murders. Right. I mean that happens. And so like that is that is the way that like Bill's character just uh, murdered people. Because he's a very intelligent human, um, and uh, like it, it worked out great. And then at one point, one of my one of my players, who is a very much like a combat monstery person, thought she could take on like ten people, and that went poorly. Um, but yeah, I mean, knowing how the system works and mathing it, 
I think can let you personalize the game for like how you want it to play. Uh, that absolutely true. That's absolutely true. Um, but that like I think that is much more important than playing a quote unquote interesting die mechanic game. Yes, because yeah, um, certainly, absolutely, fantasy flight games are are interesting yeah. mechanically. Yes, um, sometimes so, too interesting. So all the time too interesting. <laughs> Um, but like Star Trek, <clears throat> I would be ambivalent to playing Star Trek after reading the Star Trek book and watching the AP. I am much more interested in playing Star Trek because yeah. they just okay, we're just going to we're we're focusing on what you do with the ship, how you interact with the ship, how you interact with the other people. We're not going to quibble with what how much you know of quantum mechanics. Like you're an engineer, you all know quantum mechanics, right? Like. Um, and the, the 2D20 games, like how you get more dice and stuff like that, is very interesting, but it's also really quick. Mm-hmm. And it's really easy. Um, so, I mean, who, Mephidius who? makes good games. Uh, that's Mephidius? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mephidius, they, they also did Conan. Conan's a, the new Conan is a 2D20 game. That one is also, like, really good. Um, and they also, like, focus on bringing in, like, scholars on Conan for the Conan game. Which oh, is really? like interesting, yeah. And they only use scholars from the Hyborian age. They only use uh, um, uh, information from the books that what's Arthur Conan Doyle, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoever, yeah, uh, and people who like focused on his books. So, like, there's there's very good continuity with it because when you have like ten people, different people writing books for like one character, things get kind of weird. But like also the fact that they focused on that so much, along with trying to come up with something that is inter- interesting but fluid. And I think that fluidity, that movement, like, oh yeah, I can get an extra d20, cool. As opposed to, what is the probability if right. I get an extra d20? Yeah, like you're saying, fuck that. I don't want to know it. Like, um, uh, like learning it for the the L5R system is is kind of more intuitive. Like I don't. Well, I know some of the actual numbers, but I don't know like all of the actual numbers. But it's that that intuition of what plays better than something else um, that kind of uh, uh, brings you into it. So, right, uh, math good, uh, too much math bad. Yes, I agree. All right, a I sense feel like all math is bad and should be abolished. Not really, but oh. like I had, I, I felt like we needed a dissenting opinion there. You got to have some. You fell on me. You have to have some math. Oh, by the way, total, total tangent. When I followed you on Twitter, for the next two days, when I on, on a on a PC, not on a phone, but you know, on, the, on the PC on the on the left hand side, there's here are other people you might like to follow. Were they all math people? No, they all had the first name Pooja. That's because my name is really really common. It was probably but, I think it was the most popular name of my generation. But what? It means religious service. But why? When I when I when I put but why algorithm why? <laughs> <laughs> because when I put when I, if I follow I don't know James Jim Shatner. It's not just Jim Jim Jim. Jim, 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 Jim. I don't it's get a bunch of Jims. <laughs> I don't. Know. And when, there's one guy named Jim Jim to Jim. Right. I when, mean, I, when I follow when I follow people, it tends to give me like. Everyone else that that person knows. Yes, yeah. but like I'm assuming you don't know eight thousand people named Pooja. No, just seven. <laughs> maybe it was the seven. It maybe that was what I seven. saw over the next couple maybe days. It was I'm the like, seven. why is it all people named Pooja? This is so weird. 
Maybe it's because we actually all follow, like, we follow a lot of the same people anyway. <laughs> and it was like, gotta go somewhere. It's We're like just the, gonna latch onto the name. It's like the My Name's Pooja Club. <laughs> everyone. It would be such a big club. It's too big. It's too big. <laughs> Is it really a super common name? Yes. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, just to end, did you guys know, a little bit of trivia here, did you know that the book Alice in Wonderland is really a, like, stodgy mathematician complaining about new math? It isn't, like, it about really? craziness. It isn't about drugs. It isn't about any of that. Um, it's, like, this Euclidean who's really pissed off that people are ignoring his 2,000-year-old math book. That Lewis Carroll? Yeah. Is a yeah he's a I didn't even know he was a mathematician. Charles That's Dotson, awesome. Yeah. This has cheapened my entire childhood. <laughs> I would like to move on now. Well, clearly he never met Lovecraft. I'm and, just saying, like... And the whole non-Euclideanness of the universe. <laughs> he, he would be, he'd be upset about it. Yes, he would. <clears throat> Sorry, what are you saying? That my entire... I wish I had never heard that. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow, how fucking petty, you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Not you, Lewis Carroll. Here you think he's writing stories for his children, but no. Mm. Just griping about math. He's just griping about math. Jerk. Yeah. Okay. A he's sense like of progression. Oh, you want to read it? Go ahead. No. Oh. <laughs> but you introed for us, so I figured I would intro for Thank you. Thank you. Hello. Oh Hope all is going well in your life. It's all right. It's not bad. Uh, at least the things you want to go well, whatever you are into. I'm writing about a sense of progression in RPGs for your consideration. Are on we a- voting on this? Yes. Are we now yes. voting on letters? <laughs> there is a motion on the table. <laughs> it's like all these, there are all these like ads like outside for for your consideration. Yes. <laughs> Do I have a Sense second? Sorry, we're in LA. It's an it's an Emmy joke. It has been seconded. <laughs> Is there a call for a vote? All right. You know, my grandmother used to be a parliamentarian. Really? Yes. She used to go to meetings where they would have meetings that were run by the parliamentary system about their parliamentary club. That's wretched. So it's a, it's a wow, it's a meeting club about meetings. Yes, it's a meeting club about meetings. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> My favorite thing about meetings is none of us is as dumb as all of us. I like that. Um, Maybe. I am writing... On a previous episode, episode, uh, you read an email about character progression, about if character progression was necessary, and I wanted to chime in on that and expand for your consideration. Your thoughts are appreciated. People feel a sense of accomplishment when they do things that are hard, but less... But let us look at what is hard in terms of RPG. We are sitting around a table, rolling dice, pulling cards, talking in funny voices. What's hard about that? We have to manufacture difficulty by introducing a try-fail cycle. You shoot a snoo for 2d7 damage and get 8 points. Why would you shoot the snoo? Because. Leave the snoo alone. No, snoos are the bane of the florbs. <laughs> Aren't they? And the florbs are good, right? I don't know. It, just, it depends on your. I want a seven-sided die. I really want a seven-sided <laughs> die. I find it very Lovecraftian. <laughs> oh my god! A three D seven system. Would no, be so god. Great. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, like, if if in the world of the laundry files, 
they play TTRPGs, they're using 2D7 and 2D9. Right. Mm. Average roll of 3D7? Average roll of 3D7? 12. Okay, we're moving... No, it isn't. That'd be, it'd be like 21 and be like 10.5 and a little bit under. Really? Let me see. Okay, well, let me do the math real quick. I'm gonna do some combinations real quick, and I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck. But, but getting back to Ryan, all right. Twelve for two d seven. Four is your average number for for one d seven. You have one, two, three, four, mm-hmm. five, six, seven. Four times three is twelve. <sighs> Son, that's not how. It, all right, hold on. Three d seven. All right. Uh, so you shoot Snoo for for two d seven damage and get eight points of damage. On, on the snoo. Too bad it has 14 because you failed to kill it. It, fly, it fi- files a scathing rebuke of your actions and mails it off to the local post on its turn to be published in the local newspaper for its action. You bite it for 2d9 damage and take, and take 10 points of damage from its corpse. You have just succeeded in killing the snoo. Not that hard. You only failed once. It ha- if it had 30 points, it would that would be harder because you would probably ha- probably fail three times before you before three, three times to kill before you succeeded. <clears throat> Second, we have a discrete counter. This is the same thing in principle if you are collecting MacGuffins or assassinating princesses to save the fairy dragon. We have Y out of X to go. This is only really useful if your players care about the s- story the GM is putting in front of them. But I have a lot of games where the fun that followed is followed this without much appeal of leveling, looting, or fighting. In practice, did you figure it out yet? Okay. <laughs> I don't think oh, it's he's got right. he's got time. <laughs> yeah, right. I got time. In practice, <clears throat> if you do this in a fight, if everyone knows how how they have to do to beat the baddie. For example, in Savage Worlds, for instance, every wild card has the same amount of wounds they have till they die, and and running bennies can make the players feel like they're making progress towards their goal. The same principle applies to dramatic tasks in the same system. I have to pass X rounds out of Y. Right. Uh, Third, we have progress via resolution of a mystery. In Call of Cthulhu, you don't get stronger with a scenario, but you investigate, gather information, and learn about the thing that is vexing you so that you can work towards dealing with it. Knowing that Amigo... Um, knowing that a Migo, not Amigo, because that's not what he's wrote, uh, can put John Miller's brain in Bill Smith's body without leaving scars will explain why your buddy Bill is saying he doesn't remember you that night of the fire and gets you closer to finding where they are stashing Bill. Knowledge is its own reward, and it keeps players coming back week after week to see what else they can learn to resolve the mystery. You can have a sense of mystery in any game, and that can keep players interested and give them a real sense of accomplishment when they resolve it. Drink break. I'm going to take one. Drink. (laughs) Tappy was too busy mathing. And then math. (laughs) You're gerunding wrong. Get it? The caring. All right. Um, the hardest sense of progression is survival game is 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 a survival game in my view. This is when your reward for playing is to say that you survived. 
This is the thought behind the infamous Tomb of Horrors by TSR. They are usually one-shots, but they can be very fun if you've got the right people who are on the same page. Kind of calls back to the previous, the, the first email, but not PvP, but dying. So, um, so when did you say it was? Twelve. You're correct. Okay. <laughs> I just counted in my head. <laughs> I'm like, this one. <laughs> Average on 3d6. Um, 10.5. <laughs> That's what I figured out. That's what I was like. No, it's like ten. Okay, five and back to Ryan. Sorry, there you. But it's 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 uh it's up further because of the thing. Yes. <laughs> Tabby's never going to talk to me again because I I was right in, in a math problem. Oh, That's fine. <laughs> I'm usually People not. Can be right. Broken clock. <laughs> <laughs> it can be. It can be. It can be your party made up of a Spanish swordsman, a giant, and a crippled Dread Pirate Rogers. Was it Dread Pirate Roberts? It was Dread Pirate Roberts. Okay. Storming the castle to, I mean, to save the... I mean, do prin- not besmirch Wesley's name. Right. <laughs> I, never mind. I got nothing. To save the Princess Buttercup from being forced to marry the evil prince because he had plans to kill her on the wedding night. Your party, quote-unquote, wins if the princess lives. It doesn't have to be literal de- life or death. This is also a formula uh, you use for noir plots, which are about seeing if the character's moral code will survive the adventure. My Life with Master is a great example of this. If you ever wanted to play as Igor, or is that Igor? Igor. I- Igor. <laughs> I've heard it both ways. Well, they were wrong then, weren't they? <laughs> Such an organic, awesome <laughs> call to, to a wonderful film. <laughs> uh, where was I? Uh, Noir plots about the character Moral Code Survive the Adventure. My Life with Master is a great example of a game if you ever wanted to play as Igor trying to break free of the insidious relationship with Vic. Oh, I forgot myself. The Master. L5R is more about honor than victory, as another example. Finally, if we, we, we have construction as a sense of progression. This could be character, a ship, a castle, or whatever. The point is you are, all, you are doing all this to build something. Say you have a level 1 barbarian and you want to get a level 5 so that you can multi-class with a warlock to make your character feel, uh, feel your life has been... Make, with a warlock to make your character feel your life has been without... I do not blame myself for that sentence. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I read it correctly. <laughs> yep, All right, yep, you got it. <laughs> Dead on. And I just lost my place. No. It, it will take. It will. It will take. Character, you feel your life has been without. Oh, okay, I get it. Yeah. Okay. Say you have a level one barbarian that you want to get to level five, so that you can multi-class with a warlock to make the character you feel your life has been without. Like. The character that you've been missing. missing. <laughs> you've been missing all your life. Right. You've been missing all your life. I like math. Don't end your sentences with a proposition. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So where are you from, bitch? <laughs> right. <laughs> it will take you a few games to get there, but then you do. Yay, level. This is enough for some people. I have 
had people refuse to play in certain systems because they didn't level or didn't level fast enough. They are jonesing in a way that two levels of Warlock can't cure. Can this cure. Can cure. Uh, this can even include the rare case um, that the system actually has mechanics for real character progression, such as when one plays Fate and their aspect, I can never love a dwarf, becomes I can trust a brother, and your gruff uh, dwarven fighter becomes thick as thieves with the elven archer uh, he has fought and bled with. These are both examples of building a character, but you can do the same thing with any construction project, including a relationship. In my experience, any of these methods work for a solid method for having engaged players. I have played Call of Cthulhu games without progressing skills because I had a sense of mystery that kept them going. I've had fate games where no one progressed their refresh or up their skill because they used milestones to change their aspects instead. You do not need levels or skill progression to keep people interested in your game. You just need to give them a reason. Thoughts? Drink Ryan. Uh, so basically this is about engagement, not about progression. Kind of. Yes. Yeah. And so it's like, can you keep your characters engaged? I don't know if progression is what that is the the most like is the strongest force for engagement because that happens I think that depends on the players. It can be. Like, in my old games, in the dark, in the long, dark days of uh, D&D 3.5, and... Skipped it. I skipped the twos You only did. You only did right in your life, then. (laughs) Um, No, no. I don't want to disparage things. Honestly, the fact that I played that much, and then still played, and (laughs) continued to play, and I'm now sitting here with you today... Um, is despite the fact that I played a ranger in three five. Wow! But uh, but we played a lot for progression. Like the idea of like being able to get stronger and trout stronger monsters. Because Lord knows there was not a story aspect that was crucial to these games. It's engagement. It's what your players want. And if your players just want to feel like they're getting more and more powerful and they take more and more feats, or or they're up in that stat, so from the plus three to the plus four modifier, and that's what drives them. More power to you. I had as much fun as was possible playing a ranger in three point five during those days. So I can I I can I kind of get what he's talking about here now because when we were playing FFG Star Wars, mm-hmm. Bruce was playing a gadgeteer. Mm-hmm. Bruce didn't care about his character advancement. Mm-hmm. Bruce wanted bits and pieces of stuff. And money to be able to mod other people's weapons so their weapons became more effective. Mm-hmm. It is kind of character advancement, not just for him, but for other players as well, because equipment is kind of a form of character advancement. Mm-hmm. And and that that's what was scratching that itch for him, rather mm-hmm. than my character's getting better at this or the skill levels are going up. It's I've got more stuff that I can use to do more mods on the on And this is like a, like in a PBTA setup where you have threads and you don't necessarily have to take an advance when you get all of the quote-unquote experience to get an advance. Right. And, but you're, you're, those are, that's currency. Mm-hmm. So you can choose to, like, hold your, uh, your, your marks, whatever they're called in the PBTF flavor that you're playing. I say threads because I'm currently playing a demigods game, but. Well, also, but, like, threads can be spent. A lot of times when you mark experience, you can't spend that. So there that's is right. an economy of experience because you can give 
other players experience for doing what you want them to do. Yeah. I mean, absolutely, I agree that that's an economy and a way for players to interact with each other. But, like, there are parts of PBTA, or there are games using that that concept, that when you, once you hit five, you, you automatically... You have to spend it right then. But there are flavors like that don't. Mm-hmm. And it's not just demigods, but I think mass as well. Like, you don't necessarily have to spend it right as you get to five, and, like, it might be... Someone's going to mm-hmm. actually... Um, actually me on this but like if you don't you can use your advance as part of a like a climactic moment as well mm-hmm. which is cool yeah well I mean and, and if we're talking about engagement progression is an, is an easy way to get and it's built into the system to get engagement right if you're talking about I want more I want my to fight stronger monsters not all games have stronger monsters but you still have that form of, of engagement and you don't have to get rid of that form of engagement in order to have other forms of engagement along with it. Like, engaging with their story, players engaging other players, mm-hmm. you know, like, real, uh, like, deep-seated emotional connections, all those things are really engaging for players. But yeah, I mean, getting better, like, in uh, the game that I'm running, uh, The Autumn People, the XP system... Got really convoluted with uh, Chronicles of Darkness. Ah, I'm just kind of ignoring it, and I'm giving my players XP so that they can get better while we play because that's awesome. Right. And I want my players oh, yeah, to be all, awesome. All kinds of. I mean, like, who doesn't want their players to be awesome? Yeah. So, like, I'm just call it's it the like, GMs. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, I feel like if you're playing Call of Cthulhu, you also don't want your characters to be awesome. So, the, right. once again, engagement and buy-in. Right. Mm-hmm. It's coming full circle. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and that's that's a lot of what uh, like players in GM really end up wanting is engagement and buy-in, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, so, and that's what makes a good game. And like, if you're, I'm going to spout my opinion right now. All right. Uh, and disregard years and years of social conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a good GM. You're going to reach an accommodation with your players to give them the the kind of engagement that they feel satisfied with, and that also you feel satisfied with. So it's also a compromise, but but sometimes that has to do with leveling up and progression, and sometimes that just has to do with like telling a really good story, and sometimes it's and a lot of times I would say most times it's a mix of both. You want to feel like your character is getting somewhere, and the game system itself tends to reward. A tends to reward like a, a mentality that your player is getting somewhere when you level up. But say like in Traveler, I know we've talked about this a lot, but Stu and I are both in that ca- Traveler game, is that like our characters aren't really getting anywhere in terms of a level up. No, not really. Like no. that's not that's not what Traveler is <clears throat> about. We're progressing a story. So if you were a player who's really into like getting new skills or you know the the old D&D or Pathfinder like getting new feats and stuff like that that's not necessarily the game system for you or that's not the game the kind of game that we're playing but yeah it's just about tailoring your game to the group that you have I agree yeah and I and I think that's a good chance to say that like if you have a story you really want to tell or a story you want to explore with a group of people, which I feel like is a better way to describe TTRPGs, because it's not just you as a GM telling a story, it is you 
exploring a story idea with a group of people and seeing where it goes. I've played with people who disagree with you. <laughs> <laughs> I will I will say to your face, they are wrong. <laughs> yes, they are. Um that that like find the system that best fits that. Because your story idea will generally fit into a lot of different systems. And just in this episode, we've talked a lot about several different gaming systems and how, like, the Star Wars one specifically, like, the system got in the way of the playing. Absolutely. But the story idea that Stu had would have been better served in a different system. Yes. And you can adapt different systems to fit your needs. And... Especially with math. <laughs> no, don't tell people that. <laughs> you don't need math. <laughs> I mean, in day-to-day life, yes, you need math. <laughs> but, like, in general, you don't need their kind of obsessive level of math. Not obsessive in a bad way. No, it's obsessive in a bad way. <laughs> Sorry, you can say that. But, like, <laughs> but, yeah, it's just, a, it's just a matter of, like, if you, if you have a story... And you want to tell it with a, with a group of people, and you want to explore where that goes. Find the system that best suits the nature and and predilections of the people that you're playing with, because otherwise, like, you're bound to run into problems. <laughs> and nobody's ever perfect, but in general, you want to like, you know, have the best time with everybody. Mm-hmm. And there you go. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I feel like I just made grand pronouncements. That's fine. You did, and you were correct. (laughs) Thank you for the email, Ryan. I I forgot to thank... I've been very remiss. And and thank you, Virk, for the email, and thank you, Byron. We thanked Bjork a lot. (laughs) Thanks, Bjork. (laughs) There's a a thing on the inner tubes of Bjork talking about her television that, if you haven't seen it, you need to look it up, because it's goddamn amazing. (laughs) Bjork is goddamn amazing. (laughs) This is true. This is true. <laughs> what is this about Iceland? 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 Deadlands? 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 <laughs> well, if it's Deadlands, it must be Iceland. But it's Redlands. Well, that's... I mean, it's Redlands. But that's a different... That's a different continent. <laughs> Redlands? Redlands and Deadland, Deadlands are would both be uh, on this continent. Deadlands yeah, but is, Iceland isn't. That's correct. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, Iceland is. Well, it's is it Iceland it's or not. Iceland? I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know either. I don't know. I know it probably in Icelandic is probably like 19 letters long. <laughs> I mean, and that, and that is another thing. That, uh, that this is an English fly. bastard. I know. I've been trying to kill I it I think this there whole are time. two. <laughs> before we all, before the fly drives us all to distraction. I should end the thing. <laughs> I was going to, I was going to read the Call of Cthulhu uh, thing, but I think I'll, I'll save that for the opening session of the game. Last Sunday of this month, we're going to do a character creation for Murmurs from the Abyss. Call of Cthulhu 7th edition. I'm going to be running it. Players to be announced. (laughs) (laughs) I want want to do a Call of Cthulhu game called, like, Puppies and Kittens. (laughs) (laughs) Don't distort and ruin Puppies and Kittens for everyone. And I have gone down the rabbit hole of the King in Yellow. (laughs) Robert W. Chambers was the first person to coin the the term, the the title for the play. I bought the King in Yellow experience from the Mysterious Package Company. Oh, really? I have the statue in my living room. That's awesome. 
that's fantastic. I'm just saying. I the, I wrote. I actually put the uh, Casilda's song, which is the the only part of it that's been written. I put it to music. That's going to be the theme song. I don't have it on the thing. I'd play it for. I'll play it for you out there. <laughs> well, let me save something for the game. So okay, save something for the game. Uh, In any case, thank you all for watching. All right, here we go. And listen. Wait. Bye. If I told you the things I've seen. Thank you for joining us for season 24, episode 14 of Happy Jack's Everybody Podcast. My name is Stu. I'm Pooja. And this is Tabby. And we'll see you next week, Friday, 7 p.m. Pacific time. Thank you very much. We'll leave with a song. You wouldn't believe me anyway. So it's best I just don't say. I've lived a thousand lives. I piloted a thousand souls. I killed and fought and died just for a single